You are listening to the Ravens Draft Central podcast featuring James Ogden and Dev Pantois from Russell Street Report. Ravens Draft Central is brought to you by Royal Farms. Start each morning with a hot, fresh cup of Royal Farms coffee. It's made one cup at a time from the finest coffee beans in the world. And now, on to the podcast with James and Dev. Okay, so we are heading into draft fast and furious. This is episode three of Ravens Draft Central, brought to you by Russell Street Report. I'm Dev Panchwa, and I'm here with my tag team partner, extraordinaire James Ogden. If this was wrestling, it would be like The Rock and Stone Cold, or actually they're rivals. So um, <laughs> already off to that start <laughs> with my analogies. <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm all right, man. Not too bad. Not too bad. Trying to trying yeah. to get all my get all my reports done uh, in time for in time for people to actually be able to read them before the draft. So. You're gracious with your time, James, is um, cranking away at that. I know work, your actual job is also giving you some, you know, it's, it's challenging to balance it all out. So we, it's very appreciated. I know the Ravens fan base very much appreciates these reports, the timeliness of it. Just to take a step back for, uh, for all of you that are reading these reports, you can access this at the Ravens Draft Central website, reports in detail. We are uh, actively promoting it on social media this this week, so you can you'll see reports uh, to some of the players we're even going to talk about. They're they're up and uh, they're all there. So um, we're going to take a quick second here just to kind of reset. I mean, there's been some activity. Uh, we did take a break strategically through the first week of free agency, but I feel like this is the perfect topic. Uh, for us to d- dive into this episode is going to focus on the edge class and the defensive line uh, class and uh, obviously the Ravens kind of flirted with Darius Smith they didn't end up signing him so you you look at this group uh, they did sign Michael Pierce we can talk we'll talk a little bit more about him in connection with some of these other prospects uh, but they they need a lot of help here um, when you look at it they're they're looking at replacing Clayus Campbell Potentially, you're looking at replacing Pernell McPhee, potentially, um, Justin Houston, potentially. And then the wild card in all this is Tyus Bowser, who tore his Achilles at the end of the season. And he may not be ready to play anywhere, for, anywhere from the beginning of the season till midway through the season. I know John Harbaugh is very optimistic about his, um, his progress and thinks he could be ready by the beginning of the year. But point is, is that they have like four or five guys they have to replace in some capacity. So this is a huge topic. It's is also an edge class, James, that universally pundits, analysts like yourself and national guys too have said this is the best edge class, at least depth-wise, that they've seen in, in a long time, if not historically, right? So it's a combination of need and also uh, what this – draft class has to offer which i believe makes this podcast episode so intriguing and important i'm going to stop there for a second but yeah any thoughts from what you've been looking at also based on on kind of the state of affairs here with the ravens classes it's a it's a less talented sort of interior defensive line class in terms of in terms of depth from what i've seen so far but the, the talent at the top is is good. I think we have to remember, first of all, that this draft class, I still believe, doesn't have a, 
um, elite tier that we see, that we've seen in a lot of other draft classes. You know, in other draft classes, you'll see four, five, six elite guys who kind of have all pro potential. I still don't think this draft class has that. I think they have, a, I think this class has a number of very good players. Um, has a bigger second tier of players than most draft classes have. So you can definitely get guys uh, early on that are going to contribute. Obviously, I think the this is this is a really interesting discussion because you know we we the the number one guy in my on my board uh, is in is an edge is an edge guy, and you know there's a good chance that maybe four go before the Ravens pick. So that you know it's it's a hope that that one of those would drop and and then we can maybe get into some of the other guys as well. I think the thing to keep in mind here is that there is maybe a slight change in Raven in the Ravens defensive line philosophy. It seems with Mike McDonald coming in at defensive coordinator um, just feels like they're looking at slightly different guys. It feels like they definitely seem to be looking, you know, having looked at Sidarius Smith and, uh, you know, others, they're definitely looking, I think, for that inside outside flexibility um, in the in the guy that they in a in a guy that they they take um, whether that's in free agency or in the draft uh, and you know just bear in mind some of the maybe changes in philosophy about defensive line over the years in Baltimore so you know for years and years you could sort of pin pin your hopes on a a mid round pass rusher who had really great sack production uh, but maybe wasn't as athletic and the Ravens just blew that out of the water last year by taking a Dafe away in the first round, a guy who was ridiculously athletic and had very little sack production. So, but also they were rumored, rumored to be looking at Gregory Rousseau, who fit exactly the profile they had before. So something to keep in mind that they seem to be changing, changing schemes slightly, not properly, but like having sort of maybe a different priority, different focus. But also that's that's changed in personnel as well. So I think that's that's definitely the case. The one thing I always try and look for in terms of interior defensive linemen for the Ravens, they are always, always, always looking for a five technique with length. So that's just a kind of a side that if you see a guy with ridiculous length, they that that looks like he might be able to play five technique, they absolutely love those guys and they take one every couple of years. Yeah, no, that's a good point as well. Uh, historically too if you look at the guys they've signed like Trevor Price not just a draft too but like just thinking about that that quintessential five tech and obviously Campbell is that guy too and good point about them pivoting a bit in the, how they approach the the building and, and kind of prioritization of of, uh, of these players and I think as far as pass rush is concerned too picking at 14 you typically will knock out you'll get that elite pass rusher picking it like a 14 and if you look at the the top pass rushers in football by and large most of them are first round picks and most of them are in that top 15 20 group uh, because it's just hard to find that level of talent when you're picking at the bottom of the first round or and to your point even stretching it all the way to the mid rounds where the ravens are are, are a unicorn actually they have done what other teams just have not been able to do. They've found players in that that range, and they've turned into. You see, Zary Smith now has been, has earned two big contracts. You saw Matt Judon last year, uh, one of the highest paid at his position. Pernell McPhee years ago. So they've had success, but I don't think that that's something that they prefer. But now they have a chance to to go up up and get their guy or stay put. 
let's dive into the players because we have a long list. And I think the, for the fans, we want to make sure we hit on all these key guys that, um, that really could be targets for the Ravens. Um, I would say anywhere between at their pick or ahead or even maybe a little bit back. So let's start with what we're going to hit on the Georgia guys and the, and the Georgia boys in this part podcast hard. Let's start with Trayvon Walker. And he's a really, really interesting prospect, right? Very exciting. Med, uh, his his um, his measurables, his his performance at the combine was scintillating, uh, just pretty much off through the roof in terms of athleticism and raw metrics and scores. He was off the Richter scale, uh, but he's someone who doesn't really have the production necessarily. I mean, he's a projection versus production. We've talked about that level set. Um, what do you see in Trayvon, though? What do you see his strengths, weaknesses? Talk to me about, about him and what you like. Yeah, so start with what I like, obviously, like everybody, love the athleticism. I think the, the big thing to point out with Trayvon is the change of direction. Like his change of direction is explosive. It's um, it's it's quite special. You know, you you could probably drop him in coverage at the size he is, which which is a bit absurd. He's he does have that. He's just ridiculously athletic. So every bit of his um, of his projection has to be has to have that lens on it because you have to like I'm I'm going to say this a million times. I've said it a million times already. If you're trying to evaluate players for the NFL, even if you're just looking at them, you are in the projection business. So you need to be creative about what, about how you think about these players. You need to think about what they might be in the league, what they might be in different schemes. Uh, you can't just go through it and think this is, you know, this is just an athletic guy that doesn't have any production. You know, anybody can look at that. Be be a bit creative and think about what what this guy could be. The thing that you compare with his ridiculous athleticism is is really impressive play strength to the point where he's a he's a genuinely positionless defensive lineman you know he he can play every single spot on the defensive line from from a zero technique nose all the way out to a wide nine he will be able to play each one extremely well and was asked to do that at georgia um and that's something i'll get onto in a second he he has a dangerous array of pass rush moves currently he, he does have a kind of um, like a, a club rip, speed rip, sort of an outside edge move that he can that he can go to. He also has a bull rush, um, but I'll talk about that a little bit in a second as well. The other thing is he has great hands. He's able to shed and, and he controls the point of attack with one arm at times against, against play, offensive tackles with real play strength. To move on to the things that, the things that he needs to sort of work on and the, the reasons why some people have a challenge with him in the top 10, although it does seem like it is an absolute guarantee that he will now go top 10, possibly top five now. He, so I, I think talking about the, the, the dangerous array of moves he has, he, he, is, he does only have an average plan right now. So for me, his bull rush, um, those kind of moves where he comes through the offensive lineman were enticing. I wanted to see him use them more. And he doesn't necessarily use moves in combination particularly well at the moment. He, I think he, like, I, I want to see a better plan. I want to see more processing within his, within his rush, within his pass rush. 
I also felt in the run game, he was a little slow to diagnose and deconstruct blocks. Uh, and, but that speaks to the, the wider concern, I think, that there is around him, which, which warrants significant discussion. And I've had discussion with a few people about it. I think it's important to kind of talk it through with people you trust, is his takeoff, his get-off, he's highly inconsistent. There are times when he will be sat in his stance for like a full half second longer than the other defensive linemen on that line. So now you have to ask yourself why that is, because you, what you see on tape is an extremely explosive guy. So it isn't necessarily an explosion problem. Like it isn't that he can't get off the ball. He absolutely can. And you do see it on pass, obvious passing downs. So then it's, is it scheme related? Is there a patience built into what he's being asked to do by the coaches at Georgia? Or is it a processing issue? Is it a processing issue? And if it is processing, then how much do you penalize him for it? So is it because he doesn't process particular, at a particularly high level? Is that, is that the case? Is, is it just that he, he does have a deficiency in that area? Or is it, as it could be, that he's asked to do so much at Georgia and he is very young that he's just not able to, to do that? Like There are very few defensive linemen in the NFL who genuinely move all across the defensive line um, it, it, throughout every You have to ask yourself, can a 20-year-old really be expected um, to, to handle that, that kind of workload, that level of, that level of complexity in their play, and still be, asked, still, still be expected to get off the ball incredibly quickly? So I do think there's, that, that should play into your evaluation of him Ultimately, I do think he's a top 10 player. I don't think the Ravens are going to get a shot at him. But if they do, I, I cannot imagine a world where they don't take him. That athleticism, that positionless versatility on the defensive line, he fits the Ravens like a glove. Uh, and you would, you'd run the card up if he was there at 14. And I think you'd probably consider trading up for him. Yeah, <clears throat> he's one of the players you would consider for sure trading up for because again as you pointed out there's um he's a rare he's a rare talent and you figure it out i mean kind of similar to odafi Owe in that sense like very uh unique physical traits except always game is more off ball and he can stand up and he can move around so you would have two physical freaks in that scenario which is very uh exciting to think about but i agree i love his versatility and you know, maybe you strip things down. It's a different ball game in the NFL when you have other players you can rotate and you can kind of take that pressure off of them. So he's someone we both like. Uh, and to me, he's my favorite. I mean, the next guy we're talking about, going to talk about is pretty close for me, but he's my favorite um, player in terms of like the top upper tier group of guys. Just uh, would be, and, and one thing I've been playing around with, and I think this is, I put this out on Twitter couple of scenarios to think about if you do want to go up and get, which I don't want to maybe ruin it for the next guy, but just think about it. If the Ravens, the Ravens have in the past gone up and got their draft position, they just made the trade and they sat there. So is that the case with Trayvon Walker? Is that the case with the next guy, Kayvon Thibodeau, who um, I'm going to just set this up and say he is from a personal personality perspective off the field is very controversial. Uh, I don't know why, but he is. He has a lot of views about 
non-football related topics has spoken about how he went to Oregon instead of Alabama. He wanted, he wants to, in his later stages of his career, he wants, and even during his career, he wants to have some business possibilities. He wants to go beyond football. These are all very, I think, admirable aspirational goals. However, he's also come under fire for maybe not having that quote unquote desire and fire and passion and fire and brimstone like Ray Nitschke or some guy in the 60s or you know whatever like this 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 idea that you have to live and breathe football all the time so that's a whole conversation topic that I don't want to necessarily get into very uh, widely here because we're focusing on of course prospects but I have plenty to say on it on Twitter and James knows and I put stuff out there how I believe this 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 player is is something different He's like a new age type of football player in a good way. He's also a huge Ray Lewis fan uh, for the record. So uh, that, that helps in Baltimore. But I think, and so he's a player that is universally, I think, graded out as a top five player in this class. Like, just did some homework last night, read some more prospect profiles on him. And it's all pretty much, there's nothing you look at and you look at the upside for him. He is Brian Burns or he's like these, you know, Von, and that's saying Von Miller is one of the best class prospects says, who has ever come out in any class. But I'm saying in that elite, elite group, maybe he's the closest to that. Um, James, let's get into him. I know you have some thoughts here, um, which, you know, you can help clarify on, on Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm not at a point where I can um, give you a full scouting report on Kevin Thibodeau. So from what I've watched, him and Hutchinson for me are one and one A. I don't like. I think like you say, he, he's he's very close to that elite tier. Um, so I, I do I do see him as a top five player in this class from what I've watched. I can't give a full. The reason I can't give a full scouting report is because as well as all these reports going up on uh, Ravens Draft Central. Uh, we will. I will have a, a full PDF uh, Ravens draft report that comes out uh, a couple of weeks before the draft uh, in April. And there, the, I'm writing most the majority of the reports. But uh, Cole Jackson is our friend. Cole is also uh, writing ten of the reports that are going into the into the big draft report. And I got Cole. I got Cole. And Kayvon is one of his guys. So I don't actually have a full write up on Thibodeau. But from what I have seen to share, what I, from what because obviously I've. He's he's a he's a very interesting guy, and I wanted to watch him, so I have watched a bit of him, just haven't written him up um, yet. Anyway, I probably will do some kind of write up at some point to, as we get closer to the draft. But he's, I think he's just he's just an explosive athlete off the edge. You know, this guy is he will use his athleticism and his power to win. He's a bit unpolished at the moment in terms of his technique, um, not only just in his edge setting, but also in his kind of in his in his plans as a as, a, as an edge rusher. I think, you know, he needs that pro coaching. He's definitely a bit more of a projection than, than Aiden Hutchinson. But, you know, I saw a high motor. The thing, the reason I mentioned the high motor is because the main concern around him is is a consistency. Obviously, there's the off the field thing that just seems like a nonsense to me, like it does to you. But there's also this consistency concern that he goes missing for, for large portions of games. I, I think the thing I would say is I, I can't, you know, what, what you want to know when you're watching, when you're, evaluating these players is if you see inconsistency you want to know what is the reason for that inconsistency and I've watched not nearly enough tape to be able to tell you what I think the reason for that inconsistency is I, I, I haven't even necessarily witnessed it um in, you know in the to the extent I think people have been talking about it 
So I do, I did see a high effort guy in the little I've seen. I saw him chase down plays. Like I don't think this is a guy that doesn't have a motor. So I'm not sure it's that. So I'd want to watch a bit more to understand what those consistency issues are, but just worth putting it out there because that is what some people have said about him um, and a reason why he might fall. But in reality, I just don't see him getting out of the top five. I really don't. And that gets me to the uh, question. We actually opened up Twitter for questions from our followers, which thank you so much to the to the folks that sent those questions and some great questions. Um, We'll start with Jamar's question, and Jamar's one of he's one of our followers, good guy. Um, so Jamar asked, "What would be an acceptable trade up, trade up to move? Uh, make sorry, cut off here, but but what's what's an acceptable trade to make a move for Thibodeau, like move up? I believe acceptable is really a good way of putting it. Um, if he gets to seven, if he gets to six, seven, eight, I mean six is I think the Giants or something, but." which you would think they would want to draft him at that point. But I think eight, seven, eight, and and even nine is very interesting. Nine, you, you'd have to almost think that the light bulb will go off. I think acceptable, though, and you tell me what you think, James, after I go. If you can avoid dra- trading that second round pick, I think you have to try, even if that's a pick for next year. If you can bundle those two thirds and maybe a uh, second or third next year, I'm okay with that. Uh, but what do you think? What's acceptable? Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think if you want to get close to the kind of top five, then if you want to get into the top five, then it's probably going to cost you a first next year, which the Ravens just won't ever do. Uh, Call out to Kyle Boller. Uh, (laughs) So I think that's, you know, that's unrealistic. I think you're right, Dev. I think if he gets to 7A, you know, it depends where he is on their board. You know, I haven't um, finalized my, um, so I'm going to do a Ravens focus board that will go into the um, big board that will go into the, the uh, draft guide that I do. Uh, it depends where he is on their board, because for, for them, what you, what you have to understand from the Ravens, from the Ravens perspective in, in terms of their history in the draft, if, the, if they have a guy that is, and this is where it's sort of, we can get pedantic because it will be about like one or two places it, it's going to be about. It's is he number is he number two or three on their board? If he's number two or three on their board, then going up to eight or nine, like if he goes to eight or nine, they'll go up and get him. Yeah. If he's number five or six on their board, they're only going to be willing to jump up a couple of spots to get him. And at that point, it then becomes a, a conversation about who else is on the board and who else might still be on the board when they get there at 14. So I think if he's a top three player on their board, then yes, you would go up to and they will will go up. And I think you should go up to eight, nine, 10 to get him. Uh, I just, I just, I cannot see it. I cannot see how he gets out of the top five. Uh, I know there's all this stuff, all this, all this stuff about him. And, you know, we're far enough out from the draft that it might not be, might not be uh, BS, but I just do feel like he will. I just feel like he'll go in the top five and they won't have a shot. One thing I'll throw out there and then we'll move on is, is there's sometimes smoke that comes from the teams themselves, right? So are there leaks going out there on this from that from those sources, you, even though it comes to a Matt Miller, right, who talks about it? I, I think that he doesn't he's not going to reveal his source. So where is it getting circulated from? Are there teams that want him to fall? And it could be even be the Ravens. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye out on him. But for the most part, it's not likely and neither is um, is Walker. But the next guy is possibly likely. Jermaine Johnson, who is now turned into, and we'll get into this a little bit, but I think common knowledge that 
this this uh, group of the second tier edge guys uh, is starting to become a little bit scary for Ravens fans in that they're gaining momentum is, is inside the top 10. And um, Johnson has is, is really caught the attention, I think, of a lot of people because his game is he's 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 about as complete as it comes as far as a prospect is concerned. He, I think, exhibits a lot of Ravens like traits, but I'm just going to leave it there. And then, you know, James, you get into it and then we'll talk about that part, because we always talk about it's not just the player. It's not just the talent. It's will they fit the Ravens? And is it a Ravens red star type player? And I think he, he's he's pretty close. Yeah, he's uh, he's very close on on the. the so I, I give everyone as part of my evaluation, I give everyone a, a Ravens rating and he was like. As close as you could get to five without which five out of five without me giving him a red star. So he wasn't quite a five, and I'll explain why in a second. But anyway, I think he has an he has an ex- excellent get off. It's exceptional. He gets upfield very quickly. Uh, he uses speed, explosion, processing to really reduce the time and space that an offensive lineman has to block him. Um, he has a really good rush plan. When we talk about rush plans, you you want to think of it uh, like a pitcher in baseball. They'll have a fast belt, a fastball, a changeup, and a curve. Um, his fastball is is undoubtedly his speed to power. You know, he he will come through guys at will. His speed to power move, he will flatten offensive linemen at times. If they don't have much play strength or they're not playing with leverage, he will absolutely destroy them uh, with that speed to power. So that's his kind of fastball. And then he work, works other moves to keep keep. He works a curveball and a changeup to keep people off his fastball. So you can see him. Uh, you know, he's got a, a really nice inside move. He's got a great spin move. Uh, and he's he threatens the edge with that speed, you know, with the with the get off that he has. You, you have to respect his outside moves, even though his outside moves are a little less effective, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, he's got great lateral quickness as well, which also helps with it, with his inside move. The other thing about him is he's just a demon run defender. He's a demon edge setter. You, you know, I, I wrote in the notes for our, for our podcast, good luck if your play is, has him on the front side of the play. Like, it's just, it is not going, if it's outside zone, it is not going where you want it to go. So he he's, he's a really special run defender, as well as having... Uh, you know, a genuine three-way go as a pass rusher, which 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 is really dangerous. The the thing I would say, just as a, a little sort of note of, you know, maybe not. Um, his straight, like I said, his straight speed moves to the outside aren't as effective, and they're in, but they are very important. And his get off in that is very important too, because it sets up the speed to power move. So if the offensive lineman has to respect that outside move, that outside move and that upfield rush, then he's able to act with his footwork and hit the speed to power move and come through a guy. So it is important to his rush plan that he's able to get upfield quickly. So I think it's important to him if he becomes a Raven that there is a little bit of a difference to the way that the Ravens they ask the, the Ravens edge defenders to play. You know that you're going to have to ask him to play run first a little less to bring out the best in him as a pass rusher or you try and remake his rush plan a little bit now both of those things are not big issues like i i don't i don't think it's a big issue to do either of those things um so i'm not really saying this is a this is a killer for him it's just a like a a small thing that i think you'd want to you want to look at he's not especially bendy but i'm kind of nitpicking a little bit there it's not 
not not that much of a not that much of an issue. He really does finish on the on the QB. Um, the only thing in the run game I noticed was he doesn't process movement very well. So when he's got a puller or there's some motion from a from a kick out block, he just doesn't he doesn't quite process that as quickly as he processes other blocks in the run game. And so he can get kind of stuck on a guy and um, when that happens. But it's it's reasonably rare and, and I'm sure it's something that you know he could be coached up in. So he's a he's a he's a great player. When I first did him, I I I thought, you know, he's 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 really on the short list of guys that it is going to be. And you know, in recent times, people have started to realize that he, you know, he's you know, when you see all the, the media reports now, you start to see him going consistently higher than 14. So and I don't know that he's the type of type of guy you trade up for. He's right on the cusp, uh, and you're right. And what, what the, and, and somebody's I, actually yesterday, I think, had a flurry of questions. Is he going to be there at 14, and what would it take for him to be there at 14? And I think you have to have two quarterbacks going in the top 13, which seems like it has a decent chance of happening, actually, after Willis's uh, pro day. So you got – I mean, I think he's a top, he's a top 10, top 13 player now. I, I, I would be shocked if he wasn't, but um, you're going to need two or three of those guys. Uh, and then I think the receivers, right? So that could t- tilt the, and shake loose some of the players. We keep saying, oh, Walker's not going to be there. Johnson's not going to be there. That could change the dynamic. Um, Johnson uh, as the player. Yeah. I mean, you're, you hit so many good things and, power violence just destruction mayhem terror that's what i think of with his game and there's a few uh, really good pass rushers that have gone through this league that didn't necessarily have the bend or like that kind of you know elite elite like speed rush uh, i'm thinking of a guy like the ravens just had him in, in their in their building justin houston i don't remember him having those elite and a lot of it was plan power speed to uh, speed to power right he had speed he then turned it into power and he was really good with his hand usage and he just understood how to use that stab move you know extend and just kind of uh, like cross shot like all these these great moves right if you can get i mean the one knock of johnson if he doesn't have that pure speed rush like you see from again von miller we bring up all the time uh, Brian Burns, I think, kind of had that bend speed rush combo. But if not, that's that's it. But there's an ability to be successful in this league with all the things that uh, Johnson does. And and you've seen multiple. I mean, you've seen guys with high, you know, sack totals with just those those traits itself. Hello, everyone. Tony Lombardi here from Russell Street Report. We'd like to take a brief moment to thank Royal Farms for making this Ravens Draft Central podcast possible. Royal Farms, the company known for its outstanding sandwiches, world-famous chicken, and of course, its outstanding coffee. Ground just seconds before brewing, it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Ravens Draft Pick, and please hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Now, back to Devin James. We got a lot of guys. We have three more players left to go. So the next guy on the list, I'm going to jump ahead, James, actually on the list, or stay with the edge guys, is George Karloftis. Karloftis? Yeah. Is that how you pronounce his name? I don't want to – I don't want to uh, – yeah, I don't want to do him do a disservice on pronouncing his, his Greek heritage, right? Yeah. Um, we have some some Greek fan, friends of ours on Twitter. Um, 
and shout out to those guys <laughs> uh, who I think are big fans of his just because of that connection. But uh, the interesting thing about Karloftis is that Jeremiah, Donald Jeremiah, we talk about all the time, DJ, the leading, I guess at this point, I, I would say he's probably the, the leading draft analyst in, in, in the game. And he had the Ravens uh, in his latest draft, uh, mock draft, sorry. He had the Ravens uh, taking Karloftis at pick 14. So I have my feelings on him, but I want you to get into it. I think there's some good things, and there's some things I'm not crazy about. But what do you think? Yeah, so he's he's a very interesting. So the first thing I'm going to say is I'm, I, I like my evaluation of him. It's going to sound like I'm killing him. I actually really like <laughs> I do like him as a player. Yeah. Uh, I really do. I'm not sure he's right at 14, and I, I don't know whether DJ didn't really. I don't. He knows the Ravens so well, so it, it seems it's an like odd DJ one. was almost like, "I have a deadline. I need. I need to That's just. How he, it I need to a just little put, bit. I. I just was so confused. He does such a good job. He's very thoughtful, but then he had like, you know, I think you're not on the same page. You got what? You have Devontae Wyatt's. I mean, uh, yeah, Devontae Wyatt was sitting there. Derek Stingley was sitting sitting there. Like, just didn't. It didn't seem right. And then his justification was that they need an edge. It's not how they operate. They no, don't operate I, that way. And I think he's one of the trickiest fits for the Ravens in, in the entire entirety of the first round, really. And I, also I'll say what I like about him first. I like he's got a great rush plan. He's he's an intelligent guy. He's an intelligent rusher. He uh, can win outside. He, you know, he's not got the juice of some of the other rushes in this class, but he can win outside. Yeah, he sets up a nice long arm move and a bull rush that he has. Um, and he's got some speed to power to him. So he will, again, he's a guy that will come through you, but he can win outside too. Um, the main thing with Carl Aftis, I found, was he took what the offensive line gave him a lot. So that's why I say he has a he has a good plan. You know, poor, poor hand placement from the offensive line, he's going to come right through, through those hands and come through you. So, you know, he's going to use his lateral quickness. If the if the offensive lineman doesn't doesn't maintain the half man relationship, he's going to beat him. You know, there were several times when he took exactly what the offensive line gave him, and he does have some good cornering to him. He can sort of close quickly on on the quarterback. He's tough. He's competitive. He's got high motor, and from that perspective, he he fits pretty well with what the Ravens do. The thing I've got with an issue with him is his takeoff is inconsistent, and I think it's due to his his processing. He, he gets, for me, he gets off well on, on obvious passing downs only. I think I, I wanted to, for his pass rush perspective, I, I copy and pasted a, a section from my report and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it verbatim to give you an idea of who he wins against and who he doesn't win against. So I said, if you can land an outside strike on him as an offensive lineman, you can shut him down. If you have good lack strength, as his club is not particularly effective, if he misses with his swipe moves and the offensive lineman works well with independent hands, they can use their inside hands to steer him and trace the hoop to run him past the quarterback. Offensive line that have better play strength, who move well and can build their house at their set point, as well as being good processors, can also shut him down. So he's a, he's a guy that he will win in certain situations against certain competition who have certain traits and certain abilities themselves. That's who, who I see this, who, who I see him as. Um, the other thing that I'm a little concerned about him from a Ravens perspective is that when he's setting an edge, he's fine. He's, he, can, he can leverage a gap. He's a little inconsistent in terms of tackling runners in his gap, but he's fine as an edge setter. The, the, the thing I felt was when he had to travel further, so when he had to go from, say, a five-technique position and engage with a guard, his hand placement wasn't as good. He lost his hand placement, and therefore he lost his play strength. 
And so for me, he kind of at that point then barreled into the offensive line. And for me, what that does is it kind of takes away his inside-outside versatility. It means you can only play him as an as an edge guy. And I'm because the other thing about when he was inside, he didn't see down blocks coming at all, and you can just down block him into oblivion. I don't think he has inside outside capability. I think he's an edge only. And I don't think he sets the edge like a Raven. And I'm a little concerned that he's not the top tier pass rusher that you would want to take at 14. So that's why I'm a little lower on him. I I don't hate him as a player. I like him as a player. He's a first round pick. I, I think he's got some great tools to develop still. You know, he's not out of a big time program. He's out of Purdue. So you get him in with some pro coaching and things can change. But he's he's a he's a good edge rusher. Um, but I, I don't see him as a as a pick at 14. And I don't I don't necessarily I think, like I said, I think he's a tricky fit for the Ravens because he's an out, he's an edge. He is a rush linebacker. He is in our scheme, he's a rush linebacker only. That is the only place he will play. Yeah, that is a pretty damning. I would say characterization of Tafar's what if, if he's that limited, I just don't see it working out again. I, I agree with, you No knock on him as a player. Uh, there's going to be better talent, better fits. If you're again, gets back to the same thing. The Ravens need to hit a grand slam. They need to hit a home run grand slam, whatever analogy you want to bring up. But the has got to He's got to knock this one out. He needs a player that is on the cusp of Pro Bowl, consistent Pro Bowl caliber, uh, elite, elite player. It's a lot of pressure. You don't want to take a guy like that, I think, at that point, because you're just settling. Would rather see them trade up for Kevin Thibodeau at that point, or, or even Walker, uh, if, it's, if it comes to that, or trade back, and, and you maybe trade back up. But I don't think that that combination makes a whole lot of sense. And anytime I hear about Maybe this is a bit, uh, this is wrong on my part because there's been plenty of you know effort motor guys that have done well in this league. I just uh, I always get weary of that because of Kamalea Correa, John Simon, and these players who, and those players were taken not at pick 14, right? So you're 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 taking I think again you're we're beating a dead horse here. It's not that we don't like them. It's just the, the position and the spot. So we'll leave the poor guy alone. Um, we'll move on to. The defense alignment, two Georgia dogs to uh, to talk about here. Um, Devontae Wyatt is next up. I don't know, James, pound for pound for me, as I keep going through all the scenarios at 14, he's the one that I keep finding myself gravitating towards the most. You have sold me on him. Uh, you're profuse in his praise. Uh, some of our friends, Michael Crawford, um, you know, Chris Aguilera, the, all these guys that are draft our cohorts when it comes to draft analysis and draft draft expertise and, and go follow them on Twitter as well. And, uh, everybody up and down the board really likes this guy. Talk about him. And, and the only thing I'll throw out there, which is an interesting thing is he's 24 years old for a defensive lineman. That's a little bit scary. If he was an Ed, Ray, I mean, I know Ed Reeves, Ed Reeves was like 23, I think when they, when the Ravens drafted him, a little bit different for me when you're a defensive back because those players tend to play in their like I would say late 30s mid to late 30s but just wanted to put that out there as one kind of concern with him but um yeah James take it away talk about Devontae Wyatt I know you're chomping up a bit on this one yeah so I think the first thing to say is um my our friend Mike Crawford Mike is Mike is very high on on uh MZ's very high on Devontae Wyatt so 
he's he's the guy who kind of turned me on to his um fullest but to, to Wyatt's fullest potential um and again that's a thing like I was talking about previously about making projections like what what is this guy going to be in the league uh, and I think that's the real key with all of these Georgia defensive linemen actually Devontae Wyatt so you know incredible great takeoff upfield burst really stresses the offensive lineman in, in the first few steps of his rush he has absolutely remarkable body control agility balance explosion and bend for his size you know we're talking about Jordan Davis after this if Jordan Davis hadn't been in the combine Devontae Wyatt would have been the big man star of the combine he you know you can and it, and it translates to the, to the tape like it does with davis too you you can see him rush outside as the five technique and he has bend off the edge like it's crazy at the size that he is so he's a special high motor high effort guy with bend with speed with explosion with balance um and i do think he's intelligent too i think he's quite a high pro- processor against the run reads blocks de- deconstructs them well uh, plays with really good, really good hand usage too, so, and, and will get off blocks and tackle and tackle on the gap. So there's tons to like about him, and I do really like him. The the just a couple of things on him. Um, so he pressured the quarterback. So obviously you want to you want to be looking when does he pressure the quarterback? I felt like he pressured the QB a lot against lesser competition, um, and more stout guards with a bit better play strength could stalemate him a little bit. So there was there was that. Uh, I, I don't think it's enough for it to be a concern, but at 24, you kind of do want to see him dominate those guys. So that's that's one thing to 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 sort of concern yourself with a little. He has the beginnings of a plan. He hasn't yet put that arsenal of moves that he has together in a plan that effectively, but you can develop that once he gets in the league. So I'm not particularly worried about that. The thing with the Ravens is he's a very good one gap run defender. He plays in a one-gap scheme now. He's a penetrative run defender, and he's very good at it. He gets in the backfield, uses his hands well. So he has all of the traits that you would expect to, that you would want out of a guy to project to a two-two-gap scheme. But at the moment, he's a he's a one-gap guy only. So the question is, do you think you can project him to being a two-gap? He can't occupy double teams at the moment. That's not what he does. So the question is. Can, can you project him enough to be comfortable enough that he's going to play as a play well as a run defender in the Ravens scheme, especially when you already have a guy who is learning and is getting much better at, at playing as a two gapper in Madabike. Um, but you already have a guy like that, that you're sort of developing into being a, a two gap guy. They've also had history where they've struggled with guys who have been one gap penetrators who haven't, who they've taken because they were highly rated and, and you know, Timmy Jernigan is the Timmy one that always Jernigan. comes to mind. Yeah, um, Jernigan's is one that I thought of. And uh, they took the guy from Michigan as well. I can't remember off the top of my head, but very simple, like clone of Timmy Jernigan. Took him uh, after Jernigan, but I'm, I'm, the name's escaping me right now. Oh boy, it's going to vex me. But I think he was a one-gap one type penetrator as well. And, and as you bring up, sorry to interrupt you, but as you no. brought up Matt Abike, uh, it's a great point because that's exactly what they've had to do with Matt Abike, uh, is, is to, to, kind, to, to work with him, to coach him, to get him to become a two-gap player. And I think for the people that are listening, um, it's, a, it's a 
it's a pretty big difference. Uh, just like your mindset, what you need to accomplish, like how do you occupy two blockers? How do you, you know, instead of just getting up field and going, right? So this isn't, this is definitely something unique. Um, but yeah, sorry, I, I I didn't think of the guy's name. And uh, I think it was Chris Wormley. Do you mean? I'm, do you mean Chris Wormley? Chris Wormley. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. if Wormley was the guy. Uh, I drafted somebody in the mid rounds, and we'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but I, you I know, think, I'll come back to that. I, I think the the thing with Wyatt, I think, is he's so he's you know. If you're going to think him at 14, you've got to believe that he is special. Now he he. He's, he's really difficult to block one-on-one. And so he is going to win. Like, if you don't double-team him, you, you are going to be a bit of trouble as a, um, in pass protection. So you've got to believe he's special. And I think what you do, if that's the case, is the Ravens are multiple in the front that they, fronts that they run. One of the things you could do is run much more 4-3 under, um, which is a scheme that is predicated on getting the three technique um, matched up one-on-one. Now, the three technique has to consistently win one-on-one. So you have to have a really special three technique. But that is something that they could do. They could run a few more of those fronts, which would sort of focus a lot on, it would give, put a lot of focus on Wyatt. So if you're taking him at 14, you've got to really believe that he's the guy and you're going to build your defensive line around him. Yeah, I agree with that. You have to be creative. This also gets back to the McDonald effect we talked about before. Schematically, what differences are they going to apply? Is he going to use more 4-3 under? Is he going to use more 4-3 traditional fronts? Uh, I think he will. So if it's a 50% or so, and then you have sub packages to, uh, it could it could get to the 50% more. And then you just don't play Wyatt as much in those situations. Are you going to give him, in year one, you might just give him less snaps. I, I'm okay with that because you're getting so much bang for your, more bang for your buck. And who the, who's the player, James? Who is this incredible player? His name's Willie Henry. So I think that was, the, oh, that yeah. was the dude that I was trying to think of. And I think he had similar uh, traits to, to a journey again. And then they drafted Matt BK recently. So there's, there's some history for them when it comes to this, but they don't typically do it. So I think we talked about Wyatt and we both like him a lot ultimately, uh, but let's, Keep it moving uh, to our next guy, who's a fun one, uh, Jordan Davis, who is just like he is the biggest human being, I think, on the face of the planet. But he moves like um, he just moves like a like a Porsche. Right. And his, his combine performance was electric. But, uh, you know, I think there's, there's enough hype and, and enough information out there about him on that level. So we don't need to get into the actual, you know, metrics and, and all that fun stuff from the combine. If you want to go through that, I would advise listening to uh, Dan Brugler, Dan Brugler and Lance Nerline. They have a great podcast from The Athletic. And they got into the whole minutia of the combine performance from Davis. So, so listen to that. But, uh, yeah, James, your thoughts on Jordan Davis is fit here. What do you, what do you see? Yeah, so I think the, the first thing that's important to note um, without going into the, the numbers is that he's not just a workout warrior. That stuff appears on tape. Like, that was not a surprise to me. We did a, uh, a roundtable discussion on, um, on Cole's uh, 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 YouTube channel before the, before the combine, and I called out Jordan Davis as the first guy I said was going to blow up the combine, and, and that was because of what I saw on tape. Um, like you can just watch his film and know that that was going to be the case. He's got ridiculous burst for his size, ridiculous explosion. He he also plays with explosive strength and leverage. He, his bull rush is very tough to handle. I've seen a lot of stuff. You know, we, I'll talk a little bit about him, about 
you know, the snap count discussion. But if we're talking about his pass rush, his ball rush is very hard to handle. He pushes the pocket. He can work moves off that. He's got a swim. He's got a two-hand chuck. He's got a cross chop. Like, he has moves. So, you know, you're not, you're not working with it just a piece of clay as a pass rusher. There's stuff there already. He, he has great black block diagnosis against the run. He, he uses athleticism to match angles. He's got great use of hands. Uh, he can get off blocks and, and tackle guys in the backfield. Uh, and you, the, the, the bottom line with him is you can't block him with one guy. It's impossible. If you block him with one guy, it's, your play is over. Whatever it is, pass, run, option, it's over if you block him with one guy. So he causes real issues for offensive lines and for offensive game planners. They have to use two people to block him. The one thing I'd say about him is so uh, you, you really can't say he can't two gap because the size is just is too hard to ignore. But at the moment, he can't occupy double teams. If you do double team him, you can take him out of the play currently. Uh, it, it's that's fine. That's he's a one gap penetrator at the moment, but I, I don't see a problem with him transferring to the Ravens scheme. It's just you're gonna have to teach him how to occupy double teams, which the Ravens can do. Um you want to sort of project more pass rush from him. And I think, he, I think, you know, he, we, you will do, I think you can see that. So I'm not that worried about that. The main thing is the snap count discussion, which for me is a discussion about the fact that first of all, he's 340 pounds. So he's going to come off the field. Like you, you can't be that size and not come off the field. The, the main challenge you had, he's, he's a high motor guy. He's a high effort guy. He came off the field because Georgia has a ridiculous defensive line rotation uh, and also he came off the field when he, he looked gassed when teams kept, uh, did a, did hurry up on him. So Tennessee, Alabama sort of did the hurry up on Georgia and he, he looked gassed when it got to the end of a long drive, which is not surprising at the size he is. That's not, I don't feel that's a stamina issue. It's not surprising. He's not a one, he's not a two down run defender. That's not what he is. He will be more than that in the league. He will play neutral downs, passing downs. He'll play everything. You're just He's just going to have to play as part of a rotation. And that's okay. But he's not just a two-down run stuffer. Let, let's get this that narrative out of it. He's too explosive. He's too fast. He will be more than that. So it might take a year or two, like it did with some of the other big, big guys that come to the league. But that's what that's what he is. He's, he's going to be more than that. And so he's squarely in the conversation at 14, I think. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that point up because I've heard and seen so many people harp on how much he's going to play. It, who cares? How much did Nada play? Was Nada on the field every third down? He wasn't on the field every third down. They they used plenty of people uh, to to help him with his snap count. You don't even want a guy that big and and destructive to necessarily be on the field eating up. 80 something snaps, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Vita Vey is another one uh, who uh, the Bucks had a plan with him when he came in and they eased him along on the snap count. So I, but I, I think your point about just not just being a run stuffer and a two down player because of that is the big takeaway because that's where people say, oh my God, Brandon Williams, that's all you did. This isn't Brandon Williams, folks. Jordan Davis is an elite talent, skilled athlete, who just he's going to destroy plays like to, to James's point you have him in the in the lineup and you're automatically devoting two or three people to him if you and, and the Ravens already have players I mean Adafi Owe who was commanding doubles and triples last year so 
just imagine it from that perspective, right? Now, uh, I do want to take a stack, uh, look at our Twitter, Twitter questions here. One from Chris, and this I thought was a very good question. With the signing of uh, Michael Pierce, if, uh, does it seem plausible to draft Jordan Davis? And we both believe that doesn't matter, right? And I'll tell a couple of reasons why. Michael Pierce is a, is, is a one or two year player, tops. That contract is structured that way. Dra uh, you draft Davis, and to James's point, this is why it makes so much sense. Split the snaps, rotate, play them together at times, play them play interchangeably at times. And Davis can learn to play the position for Michael Pierce. I think it's a perfect scenario setup for Davis, if anything. And can you imagine having both of those guys in at the same time? And actually, Michael Pierce can rush the passer pretty well. So that would be awesome, actually. And I would love to see that. Uh, any thoughts on that, though? Or, or do you want to wrap up here on Davis? Uh, what, what else do you think? Now you hit you hit everything there. I think they both be on the field at the same time. At times, I I, I like I I don't I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, I agree. We love Davis uh, quite a bit. I think I've come around to him, admittedly, and I think he is he looks the part for being a Raven. But let's start, try to wrap up here. We have a few more questions to get to. We have two more prospects we want to touch on briefly. James, I'll let you take the floor on these two, and then we'll we'll come back with questions. Yeah, I think so. Just 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 to sort of acknowledge that Aiden Hutchinson is a great player, and he's probably my number one player in the in the class. And I so he's great. Uh, so we're not going to touch on him because there's absolutely no way on on, on earth that the Ravens get him. Uh, and then the other one is Ajabo, who I, who I really like, but he's just out of the conversation at 14 now. Um, it's just not it just we just can't take him at 14. Uh, he, you know, we need an impact player. The Ravens need an impact player now. Uh, and that Achilles just takes him out of the conversation at 14. But he's a very good player. And if he's still there at 45, I'd, I'd certainly take him then. Yeah. And apologies. Uh, we had a question from Austin, I think kind of hits on that, which is, yeah, he would probably make sense for day two, Austin. Um, I think he said if he falls there, would you take him? But day two, yeah, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, just want to hit on these quickly. Thanks to the folks that sent their questions in again. Um, let's see if we can get a, would you be, I think this is one from Aiden. Would you be aggressive in trading up for coveted edge, trading up to spot 10 or nine? We talked about that earlier and both of us say, yes, it makes sense again, within reason. Uh, but again, do you give up a round two pick? I'd be hesitant on that. So if you can make it work, uh, with rounds, um, three, then, then package those up, see if you can make it work, maybe a pick next year. The other questions we got from uh, uh, Devin and Tony, secondary tar targets um, and also rounds three and four. We want, we don't want, we're not leaving you guys hanging, but James and I are gonna work on a collaborative article uh, that are from our, for RSR later that gets into some gems that could be available in rounds three and four. Uh, both of us haven't done enough research yet and James is gonna get into the film on that. So we'll come back to you guys on that, if that's okay. Uh, we'll be able to give you more information through Twitter, through RSR, so just look out for that. But any final thoughts, James? Uh, thanks for your time and making this this fit, but anything else you want to add? No, this is fun. Thanks, Dev. It was a great class to talk about. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, big time, deep, deep, deep dive here. Be, be sure to check out James's articles, of course, on all these players as well, and uh, we'll get that to you. So uh, appreciate the time, as always. Hope you folks are... Are, are just doing well with all this content and we'll catch you again in another time. Thank you.